Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are the Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be talking, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Amigos, uh, where we're back in the studio, Paul, after a little hiatus. I know, a little break from podcast. I'm excited to be talking again. Yeah, we're like ready to go, fresh, relaxed, rested, tapered. Uh, we're excited uh, about what's in store for uh, some of our upcoming podcasts. We're going to take the podcast in a slightly different direction uh, for the next little bit. Um, so we're rolling out a new format where we're going to have somewhat shorter episodes talking about more discrete topics. Uh which uh, will include this first one, which will be talking about associate agreements from an associate perspective. We'll do about eight to 10 shorter episodes on that. We're gonna talk about associate agreements from an employer standpoint. We'll talk about buying into a practice or bringing on a partner, purchasing a practice, how to assemble a group practice. We'll also talk about selling a practice to an owner operator. And we'll talk about selling a practice to a DSO or quote unquote, corporate. I like it. It's a journey through the circle of dental life. That's right. Well, probably if we, if we're still standing, you know, for the, for the eighth round of, uh, I guess for a heavyweight championship, you go 12 rounds. You used to go 15 back in the day, Paul. Um, But uh, for the eighth round will be uh, startups and leases. So uh, our game plan is again, to to do things that are a little more focused uh, on specific areas. But um, we're still going to be doing off-topic episodes yeah. with guests where we're talking about fun stuff, kind of more like some of our previous episodes, but um, we'll mix it up a little bit. And I think, too, for our listeners, even though some of these are going to be primarily uh, geared towards an associate or a practice owner, there's still going to be a lot of good general interest information sure. for, for somebody. Because, it's important to look at it from you know, all angles anyway, you know, so it's, it's really a good opportunity to see how each side thinks so you can be successful. Exactly, you know, it's a relationship like any other. So it's kind of, it's good intel for what what the other side expects and thinks in any successful partnership or relationship, both people have to be on the same page. So uh, this first group of episodes, we'll call it a season, Paul. I like it, yeah. I I always like TV, I'm a big TV fan, so I like it, it's it's this season. Back in the day, it used to be like a season was like a year, right? Yeah. You know, it started in the, the TV season in the fall, ended like in the early spring. Now I think with the binge watching everything, yeah, somehow there's like, well, there might even, but even the, the release, like they may have like four seasons yeah. that get released in one year. There's a lot of, a lot of flexibility. I can knock out a season on a Saturday, so I've done that. So what we're, we'll do this, we'll call this season one, uh, which will be associate agreements from the associate perspective. Uh, about 10 or so episodes will be uh, our first topic. And today we'll kick things off by tackling the all important topic of finding a job. Yeah, very important. Which is first step. Which is after all this uh, school and student yeah. debt, uh, you do need to work, 
and uh, and make a couple of bucks. They only say right? there's two certainties in life, Rob, but I think there's a third: needing to find a job to pay off your dental school debt after going to dental school. So death taxes and needing a job as an associate. I know for our listeners, there is a very small percentage of dentists that may jump from dental school into practice ownership, but most dentists, even more than the four out of five that recommend Trident, are going to need an associate job to succeed. So I'm glad we're starting with it. Yeah, for sure. And and, and to that point, there are some people that do that, uh, that jump right from dental school or residency into practice ownership. Probably not the best idea for most people. I agree. You know, and we'll talk about that in, in another season. I like that future season. About why that's challenging. So uh, here you are, uh, D4, right? Yeah. Uh, when do you start looking and applying for jobs? It's a great question. I think that, you know, one of the things that as dentists, we do things on patients, and many of them say to me, I wish I had done this sooner. In the most kindly annoying way for our listeners, uh, dental students start way too late looking for a job. I want to use the word looking. That should start on your first day of dental school. And what that means is look for opportunities in the area where you want to practice with faculty members. Be keyed into who are who is someone that can help you along this journey. Now, you're not going to start applying, and that's what you asked, Rob. Looking versus applying are two separate things. Mm -hmm. Applying, you're going to start six months after you're about to finish something significant. So you finish your D4 year, finish your GPR AGD, or finish your specialty program. As someone who's pretty um, into this world, and we can talk more about this, most dentists are looking for someone to start in their associate position within three to six months. Very few are looking two, three years out. However, there's there's tremendous benefit to start looking for open positions, scanning, and we'll talk about where we can find them, scanning open positions, creating awareness for you, you're, you're, that's a word I get from you, creating awareness of what's normal, what kind of compensation we'll talk about as normal, which areas you're looking for associates. I mean, not surprisingly, Rob, we've been at um, in Center City for a long time, 13th Street in Philadelphia has a lot of people who wanna eat dinner on a Friday night at 8 right. p.m. Mm -hmm. And if you don't look early for an open table reservation, you might be stuck outside Elvez for three hours. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, I just wanna point out that looking should start day one, D one of dental school, applying six months before you finish the thing. And I feel like, and that's a great tip, Paul, I think what you do sometimes, or at least I've been to some of these happy hours with uh, dental yeah. nachos, even before you get to that point as a, as a D4 or ready to finish a, a residency, uh, mingling and socializing right. and networking with older dentists in the community where you're looking to yeah. work. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, so like you're sending out letters right. or a very purposeful thing, but just getting to know people in the community. I have, a, I have a phrase for Del Nacho's, JBN, just be nice. But JBN also stands for just be normal. So, you know, come to a happy hour, come to an event, meet people. Uh, I'll use a joke for this time in, in our life, you know, put, put a face to the name or at least top half of the face to the name and, you know, get someone out there Get your face out there so people say, oh, that's the person I met from Temple who's a D3, and oh, they're graduated by now, I'm looking for someone. And what is really amazing about my age, Dennis Rob, 44 time of this is, we didn't grow up with social media, so we still have a network of friends where one of our friends may text us, I need an associate in Texas. And we just say, oh, someone from my nacho group who was at our happy hour from Penn is moving to Texas. So there's just so much value for the dental students to realize that the people hiring most of the associates did not grow up with social media, did not grow up with all the interaction, even through email. Mm -hmm. And there is just a classic way of connecting. Yeah, and, and to that point, you're probably going to have to 
get off the couch and leave your right. house from time to time, yeah. right? And and actually meet in person, go out to uh, a networking event or a happy hour yeah. where that, well, we'll call it the quote unquote demographic, right? right? Uh, the demographic that's going to be giving you a job is, uh, is networking and, and socializing. And as we talk deep in this conversation, at these in-person sees, networking events, small study clubs, oftentimes the people that are there that are so magical to this process are the industry reps they're salespeople. Salespeople are used to meeting people face-to-face, and then they've also mastered the online way of meeting people, which we can talk about too. But when you meet an equipment rep from one of the supply companies, when you meet somebody's mm. office manager, then they meet you. So it's, it's just a one plus one equals awesomeness for you. All you literally have to do is just show up, JSU, just show up. And I just, I totally know if you're D1 listening to this or you're thinking of dental school, dental school times, you think you're busy with studying, but I wanna remind them the end of their dental school journey, you're gonna need this job. So start preparing for it, start becoming more aware, be purposeful, as you said, Rob, as early as possible. And I know I know this is not what dental students think about, Rob, but uh, it can be fun to do this too, right? Yeah. Have a margarita, eat some nachos, maybe make some friends to you know exercise, you have friends for that, make some friends to play golf with, make some friends to go to brunch with as well. Yeah, and, and, and I think it also gives uh, the young dentist or the student a little more awareness of the lay of the land. And you know, as you mentioned, uh, supply reps and equipment reps, a lot of those people have a lot of contacts in the industry. Yeah. And, and and I think that the relationship, as you know, that at least what I perceive as the, the yeah. non-dentist, uh, that a lot of dentists have great relationships with their supply reps. And they for would sure. say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about hiring somebody. Do you know anybody oh, that's looking for a time. job? That yeah. happened with one of my uh, awesome boost campers who I asked her because he was on our platform for Job Connect. Said we connect. You said actually that was my shine rep because he happened to be in with somebody who was purchasing. You know what's in one point I want to bring up is let's say you're purchasing a scanner, you're purchasing a CBCT, you're purchasing a piece of equipment or technology that's investing in your practice. Usually that's a really good sign of the practice owner. So that mm-hmm. practice owner is usually looking to also expand or grow. So that's just a great, and she was connected. She's one of my favorite uh, younger dentists, connected for a one day a week job with uh, one of the boost camp instructors and you know placing implants and learning stuff like that. And all because she put herself out there and made herself aware that, hey, I would like a position. So I think that the main takeaway for the, start looking right away. You don't have to apply. Think about applying six months, you know, prior to finishing whatever thing you're going to do. You don't want to come off totally nacho nuts and start applying for a job two years before you have your license because that's just sometimes just doesn't fit with the right tone. Uh, right? Might scare I'm ready, people. I'm ready for right? your work for you, Paul. I'm like, well, that's illegal, but soon it will be legal. Right. Um, and then look for these connectors and become friendly with them. And I mean, I say this all the time, Rob, develop genuine, authentic relationships with people and then they want to help you. You know, I, I say this uh, joke often to try to explain things. It's like when you are in a situation and only try to get what you want from somebody, people can tell. And even if it's not even about money sometimes, but like someone shows up at, you know, uh, a holiday dinner trying to sell Girl Scout cookies in the first five minutes, you may love Girl Scout cookies, but you're like, this is not the right tone, right? So too often dentists will wait too late for this looking and applying and then create unintentionally this feeling of you need to help me with this thing. And right. if you do it the reverse way, you really get better options, more fun. Uh, you're going to get better, uh, better selection of jobs too. And and I would imagine too, Paul. It's also a good opportunity to see if there's you know a good relationship. If you right. you get along with a person, you're similar. You enjoy spending time together, or you know you you're on the same page uh, with things you know, clinically, yeah. socially, whatever the case may be. 
Uh, and you know, that that's something that, that can only be built through spending time with somebody and yeah. probably spending time with somebody that's out of in, in the out of the office context. I mean, spending time in the office, I'm, ima- I'm imagining Paul in the dental office, you know, the, your hair's on fire yeah. most of the time. So but it's not I'll an opportunity to get is, to know each other, know, right? I don't know if you have people observe here and, you know, do the legal pads and have a pen. I don't know what happens in the law office, but at a dental office, but you made a, a good point about that, but one that... If you do show up at these things and you do start looking to connect, sometimes these amazing dentists like Dr. Todd Fleischman was on our podcast will say, why don't you come by my office and observe one of these times after you've already met him a few times? Because what happens with us as dentists, if I have someone observe while I'm doing patients, it's not an easy thing to do. But if I develop a relationship with a D3, I'll say, you know, come by when Dr. Rob Slough and I are doing implant cases. And then these awesome things happen where you get this sneak peek into the future of your life, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, great advice. So once uh, once things move along in the process, and uh, a young uh, associate has uh, landed an interview or some interviews, we're getting to that next step where you know you are moving forward, trying to get a job. Um, what are some of the questions that they should I, be I asking? I love this, and you know, I'm actually I know this is an audio podcast, but I'm holding one of these sort of these medium sized notebooks. So I encourage I encourage the applicants and, and the owners, but the applicants to bring one of these medium-sized notebooks, write a, a cheat sheet, but it's not a cheat sheet. It's a question sheet. And first is, where is this job? Now you're going to fill that one out before you show up, but where is it? Because I think sometimes you really, the where is so important because they say, oh, I think I'm, I can work in this place. But if it's an eerie PA and your whole family lives in center city, Philadelphia, you have to say, is this a where that fits for me? So you get the where and you show up at the interview. Then first question I tell uh, associates to ask is, hey, this is a great practice. Why are you looking for an associate? And, you know, that question, if you just pause and don't fill it in, the practice owner is going to authentically share their pain point. So for me, as a practice owner, one time my answer to that was, our amazing associate got into a perio program because stupid me told her to become a periodontist, and now I have to replace her. <laughs> great why, right? Because I have it. When you hear things like, we're really busy here, you got to dig more into that. When you hear things like, I want to take more time off and spend with my grandkids, you red flag, dig more into that, flag. right? Yeah, right. So dig more. So, and write these answers down because one of the things dentists are not good at is interviewing because we never have to do that. So, write these answers down. So, where's the job? Why are they looking for an associate? The next question that's very non threatening but so important is, hey, if I worked here, what procedures would you want me to do most of the time? Because the what procedures you're doing is going to determine your happiness factor, your comfort level. So if you hear, oh, you know, I'm a general dentist, but I refer to all my endo. I want you to do endo. Enormous red flag, because that means that they don't have core procedures to share. If when I was when I was using myself as an example and someone asked, I'd say our previous associate did fillings, did crowns, did night guards, restored implants. And there were some additional toppings like a nacho plate, like extraction bone grafts. And, you know, that that sets up the clinical expectations, because I will tell you, Rob, I don't know how you you can, you know, parallel this to the legal field. Being a dentist and doing procedures that you're not comfortable with, it doesn't matter what they pay you. It's a terrible feeling. Mm -hmm. If you are not comfortable doing the thing people are asking you to do, it doesn't matter if you get paid for it. It doesn't matter if they need you. So that's what I believe that, you know, the where, the why, the what. Then what's really, I think, a great question to bring up but it's a tough topic for people to talk about is money. And many of the times the practice owners are so out of touch with how people are paid, they just don't know. So they say, you know, hey, I'm applying for this job. I have dental school debt. I want to move to this area. You know, I want to get my first apartment, whatever it is. How do you compensate your associates? Just how do you compensate your associates? And listen, if they say, 
you, will you eat what you kill and you're going to hunt class threes? Well, that's a red flag, right? You know, <laughs> if you say, hey, great question, I will answer how I will answer to my associate. When you know my, one of my associates moved to San Francisco, I used my own invention, Dennis Job Connect, to get the new one. It was, I used my own thing I created. So I, when she said that, I said, it's a great question. We pay a $600 a day daily guarantee, which I've sort of rephrased as, and I know we're going to dig into this future episodes, a guaranteed salary with bonus incentives. Basically, a, no matter what, you're going to earn this, and then there's going to be a percentage on top of that. I want them to feel secure. If you hear gobbledygook to that answer, it's a red flag. Right. You know, and then finally, Rob, and this is anyone can ask this question, what fun things are there to do in the area? You know, what fun? Fun is the last one because I think dental students, we have our heads down. It's a lot of pressure. We think we got to get a job, but now real life comes. And if you, your life outside the operatory matters. So if someone told me, and you know me well, Rob's one of my best amigos, if they said, hey, Paul, there's a lot of hiking and kayaking in this area. I'm not going to be like, hooray. I'm going to be like, I'm an indoorsy person like Jim Gaffigan. I was, right? I was wondering what you were going to say, Paul, because you know, we haven't been spending as much time <laughs> yeah, together yeah. through COVID. I thought maybe you'd gone to like the kayak yeah, route, but, and I didn't know but that. But it's a good example of what you like in your area may not be what someone else likes. And right. you want an associate that has a life outside of your office, or they're not going to. So obviously, I'm a huge Center City fan. So if I said, there's museums and there's restaurants, but there's no backyards, right, in Center City, and there's no this. And then I would say, is this for you? So I think the associate needs to ask, because especially if you're going to an area that you're not familiar with, these town dentists know the area. You know, if it was in my area of Pennington, New Jersey, I would say, we're close to New York, we're close to Philadelphia, but it's a pretty sleepy town I work in. So if you lived in Pennington, New Jersey, ain't much happening at night. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you want to go to Princeton. So I think that's my rundown of, you know, where's the job? Why do they need an associate? What procedures? How are you going to be compensated, and what is the fun factor? Good stuff. And you know, you mentioned a few times your previous associate in a couple yeah. of different contexts. I think that's an important one too. And in my, yeah. you know, sort of out of the dental office way, from a, from a lawyer, it's one of the things that I encourage young associates to be uh, aware of uh, or to you know to scrutinize a little bit, which is, was there someone before right. you? And I think. Uh, I think it's a lot more challenging for the relationship from the practice standpoint and the associate standpoint if you're the first one. For sure. You know, and that's and where the guarantee is very important mm -hmm. because uh, that's where that, I know I, I say catchphrases on our thing that I always think are funny. It's like when people say, this is not my first rodeo. Well, this is the first rodeo for that practice. Yeah. And you might not want to be on that horse or that yeah. or, or, or bull for the first rodeo yeah. because you could be thrown off with not enough patients, not getting paid, mm -hmm. a team that doesn't support you, right? So you're such a good point, Rob. If you are the first associate at that practice, really ask a lot of questions, uh, kindly demand to observe for a day so you can check out the practice in action, ask deeper questions about their why. Because I think, and you've seen this with your clients, Rob, and, and it's, it's not intentional. They just think there's more work for to share than there really is. Right, and that, that's something when we talked earlier about the crossover between some of these seasons, right. uh, a lot of what we'll talk about from the practice owners perspective on this topic is going to be uh, important for for the associate also yeah. because a lot of people hire associates for the wrong reason at the wrong time whatever they make right. hiring mistakes and so some of the things that we're going to say and and to our practice owners are things that uh, the associates need to right. uh, keep their eye on the ball. One I thought of as you were talking was if your first associate really asked, how are the new patients going to be distributed? And what you want to hear is I'm going to, all the new patients are essentially going to go to the associate. And then you can determine what has to, the work, if it's beyond the associate skill level, can be distributed. But if an owner wants to hire an associate for the first time and see all the new patients and see their patients, they might be kind of sharing with you 
unintentionally, they're not ready for an associate. Yeah, one of the biggest red flags for me is I want to I want to work less, right? You know, because that means you're going to make less money, and right. and a lot of and, and some people are, are okay with that, and they've they've done that calculus, but. Uh, more often than not, my observation is people want to have their cake and eat yes, it too. They'd right. like to work yes. less and make the same or more. Right. And uh, hiring an associate, or certainly initially, doesn't do that. But if you're stepping into the shoes of somebody that was already there, there's a system in place, there's production, yeah. there are patients. You know, the, it, it, somebody else built this. You know, you don't have to be the one that builds it from the ground up. And, and unfortunately, even though the associate is the employee, they are, this is very much a, a partnership of yeah. sorts, even though sure. it's an employee-employer relationship. I tell people this, that the, the dental associate is, is like, almost like a quasi-partner in a lot of ways, in part uh, how, they, how they get paid, reliance on the owner, all that stuff. Like it's not a straightforward, sure. just, hey, I'm just gonna be in my own little silo here and do my thing. You know, the decisions that the, uh, that the practice owner makes has a great impact on oh, the, sure. uh, the associate's ability to generate income. What you, well, when you were saying that, I think I read a biography over the uh, pandemic, you never forget your first. It was a George Washington biography written by a female, which is rare. It was a good, good book, but mm-hmm. I just thought that you never forget your first. A first associate, first job for an associate and first associate for the dentist is usually a bad combo. You know, yeah. if it's the third job for someone five years out and they can do other procedures and they can add things to the practice and the practice owner says, hey, I'm, I want to work less and give you this guarantee. Well, that associate applying for that job is seasoned and experienced. Yeah. But I've seen through my nachoverse a lot of disasters with first and first. First time that an associate, my first job, I'm like, well, neither of you knew anything. Right? Some people marry their high school sweethearts yes, and true. it works out. Yes. Some. It's just but, a low percentage but, of but when that yeah, happens. That's not yes. the odds are. Yes. If, you, if you go to Vegas and, and, and yes. bet on that, chances are Good that's going to be a longer shot yeah. than somebody that's, you know, a, a little more seasoned For sure. in the game. Uh, so I've heard you say and, and, and seen on, on some of your social media posts, Paul, desperation causes disasters. Well, uh, well this, is just, this is just a great phrase and understanding life in general. You know, I have a seven and three-year-old, they're awesome, but if the three-year-old wants to eat and we have not planned it and everything's booked, we're gonna have to usually have a desperate choice for food. Sometimes it's going to a convenience store and eating crackers, right? And we've all been in those situations where we haven't prepared and desperation causes some sort of disaster. When it comes to the associate looking for a job, the desperation comes from waiting too late thinking this is a real challenge. And I think lawyers have it better because most of the time lawyers will work in law practices as law students and see at least how it runs, right? We don't have this opportunity in dentistry. So I do believe that dental students are under this weird idea that a job just falls into your lap and they'll say, I'm gonna start applying a month before I get my license. And I say, you're gonna become desperate. You're not gonna have options. And that's where someone says, this is no, there's great jobs with DSOs. There's not so great job with DSOs, but someone's saying the only job I got offered was with this giant DSO and I go, would you hire you with your skill set right now? And it's uncomfortable, but when they have limited choices, that's the desperation that might cause a disaster. Yeah, and as you said, it, that, that applies to most things in, in right, life and business, yeah. Paul, that uh, doing things out of, out of desperation or because you have to are usually not decisions. I mean, I say this, Robert, I mean, I'm an equal opportunity kind of lawyer, and we're gonna have so much on these episodes, and you and I work in this space. Like, if there's this group that wants to hire people brand new out of dental school and the people brand new out of dental school don't mm-hmm. really have a lot of experience. They might just want to pause and be like, would you hire you to yeah. do this thing? Yeah. And I know it's kind of this weird fight club, the out of body thing, but it's just something to be aware of. Right. 
and not just have blinders on and say, well, somebody wants me, I'm just going to go. Right. Because I see three months later, people crying inside, people crying outside, people needing Rob Montgomery, people needing to move. So that if I can add value to someone listening, please start earlier than you think so you don't get into that desperate situation. Yeah, that's uh, that's good advice, Paul. Uh, so kind of the last uh, topic we'll, we'll cover uh, in this episode is you know, who should you be talking to 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 advise you to counsel you to help you with the process you know talk about about the team i think you know core parts of the team are people like you do a dental focused attorney to review a contract to make sure there aren't 20 red flags by the time you get to page two so it's simple as one of the most popular things with your dental lawyer is do you know an attorney who does looks at contracts i said when do you need it done by i said tomorrow i said well why don't you why don't you just look early so one is on this team is a dental focused attorney and i do say rob and it's not because you're my best amigo nothing ever goes wrong when you show an attorney your dental focus your associate contract they either say these are for the Goodmans. This is pretty reasonable. I mean, you write our contracts. This restrictive covenant is eight miles, maybe make it five. But if they don't bend on that, it's a good contract, right? That's yeah. awesome because you look at this all the time. And then you say, hooray, this is pretty good. But what's even more better use of your funds and time is you say, do you realize like this says you have to stay there for six months after you leave? I mean, you, this is stuff you'll talk about. So you want a dental-focused attorney to say, does this sound good? Right. I believe, you know, an accountant is important in your process, an accountant or financial coach of some sort, because you're graduating with a lot of debt. You're going to be making six figures. You haven't made any figures. Uh, How that affects your life is important. So I think somebody to help you with the financial part of it. And then the third part really is someone that you trust who isn't invested in the decision. So it would be good if it was one of your friends who's working on the other coast and saying, if I take this job in New York City, you think that's good for me, right? Not your not your parents who want you to live in New York City. Right. Not your significant other who wants to go to Breckenridge, Colorado and ski, right? That's a job we had. I thought about that today. That sounds pretty good to yeah, me. Yeah, right. So don't ask yeah, someone. You, you have to have gone to dental school, though, for that. Yes, right. right yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, out, you know, you, you need just somebody, an accountant, financial-type person who you're paying to give you advice. And then likely someone that you couldn't even pay but someone that you trust who's not invested in the decision say, does this sound good for me? You know, six days, they said six days a week. I'm like, you barely got up for class. You're not a six day a week person. Right. Like I'll become a six day a week person. Like, no, you won't. So somebody who does it. So I think those three people, two that you pay and one that's kind of, you know, a trusted advisor that's not invested in the outcome of your decision. Yeah, and I would say, uh, add to that too, that you have to be careful about what people's experience and skill set are too. Right. Uh, there are certainly people that are, you know, attendings and other right. mentors in, in residencies and dental school who are dentists or older dentists. Uh, some of them may have been entrepreneurial right. and they can add, uh, you know, good, give you good advice and make good suggestions. I think others get out of their lane and start yeah. opining on the importance or, or insignificance right. of certain what we consider to be very significant legal provisions, covenants not to compete. Yeah, right. And yeah. Uh, kind of, give bad advice. So uh, it's 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 a fine line between the trusted advisors and people you can trust and uh, what Jamie Amos calls right. the, the peanut gallery. It's also right? this, Rob, it's, it's, it's when you hear the but that's always bad when someone messages me on Facebook and say, I got a problem with my contract. I write back, you know, you heard me say 3,000 times, use a dental focus attorney. I go, who'd you use? They go, I didn't use anyone but, and it fills in with, one of my instructors in the clinic looked at it. But you yeah. know what I feel bad for getting thrown on the bus? The instructor in the clinic, because probably the instructor in the clinic 
is trying to be nice. And it's just like, look at my contract. They probably didn't even realize at the time yeah, that they right. were the one. Right? <laughs> right. So I've been in those situations where someone's like, look at this thing for this thing. I said, oh, it looks pretty good. I mean, I would get someone who does this all the time, right? Yeah, right. So they kind of throw this person on the bus where I, I don't even know sometimes. I, they definitely get out of their own lane. And sometimes they even know they were in the lane. Yeah. You know? Some so, of them, though, Paul. I'm yeah, not convinced. Oh, I think, for, I think some, some of them for sure may. do. Some of them for sure do. But I think sometimes when you have a relationship with someone you're teaching, you want to make them feel good. And if you're smart, you just say, this isn't what I do, and I find someone to do it. But sometimes if you don't have that emotional stability, you start to kind of be like, okay, well, this looks like they're going to pay you, but they don't see the thing that you see, Rob, or yeah. your Anna sees or April sees that says, over here, you might not get paid at all. Over here, you have to have your money come back. You should, you should if you and Anna read the bonding bottle for a filling, yeah, you could read it, but us as dentists would just laugh at you when you when you say, "I don't know what silane is." Yeah, so. well, I mean, some to analogize that a little further, and, and it's not just our firm. It's you know, there are a lot of people that do what we do that that can provide value, but uh, you know, lawyers see things go wrong. You yeah, know, people right. come to us after there's a problem, oftentimes, yeah. and sometimes it's a problem we can fix. Sometimes it's not, but when you hire uh, a lawyer, an experienced lawyer, to help you with these sorts of things, whether it's an associate agreement, a practice acquisition, a practice sale, you are leveraging the mistakes of all the others that came before right, you, yeah. right? And and you can avoid making those mistakes because somebody can say, yeah, I've seen how this plays out. You know, this provision where you don't get your percentage of collections yeah. for uh, money that comes in after you're no longer working there, but you know, it was a PPO sure. practice. So essentially you worked the last two months for free, right? Yeah, right yeah. But you know, you don't necessarily, that provision won't jump out of the contract at you unless you've had people come to you after the fact and said, how come I didn't get paid? Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why you didn't get paid because it says they didn't have to pay you. So this, right? this, this you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. They'll get right? that. I like that one too. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, that's, uh, it, that, that's an important thing to, to keep in mind that and we're, we're going to talk about actually in episode two contractual Perfect. awareness and understanding what is in these agreements. But uh, I'll, I'll give you like a little spoiler uh, alert here. Uh, you know, just because you can read it and understand it, and you know, obviously dentists are highly educated yeah. people, doesn't mean that you bring the experience to that, For sure. that agreement, to, as you said, to understand. I mean, I can read. The, uh, the directions on whatever material you just talked about, Paul. Yeah. And, uh, and and I can understand it, I guess, maybe not. Yeah. But but I, it doesn't mean you that I... You would not apply it in practice. Right, exactly. Yeah, because you haven't seen, you haven't seen all the sure. pitfalls of it. Uh, good stuff. Uh, thank you, everybody, for, for listening. And as always, uh, you know, show notes will be uh, up on the usual places. If you like the podcast, uh, please give us a good review on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening to us. And before we go too, I want to give a big shout out to our amigo, Dr. Cliff Moore, for winning the Ohio Northern University Indoor Marathon a few weeks impressive, back. Impressive, impressive. Yeah, 211 <laughs> laps, Paul, wow. around a 200-meter track. Uh, I haven't talked to Cliff. We exchanged messages, so I'm wondering if he's dizzy after, yeah, yeah, after that. Right. It's a yeah. long way to go. Uh, but he's a good dude and uh, obviously an amigo and a friend of the show. So uh, nice work, Cliff. And uh, thanks, Paul. It's always fun. Awesome, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com 
And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.